uh, SJ for a yes. fabulous show. And enlighten us on pineapple. Yes. And we're going from pineapple today on Uncalled. What have we got coming up? England, England, England. <laughs> Is this a football? No, I'm afraid not. It's wine. Ah, it's wine. Are you disappointed? No, not really. I'm not a big football-y person. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at England. Why are we doing that? Because it's English Wine Week. Is it just English or UK? Well, it's sort of UK. English and Welsh Wine Week, they often call it. But oh, okay. as in vineyards are spreading, we'll just say everything, really. Us. Us. Us and these shores and wine related. How wonderful. So yeah. I guess there's going to be a lot of white. There's going to be a lot of sparkly. Yes. Um, exactly. A lot of red. Little bits emerging, little bits emerging, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How exciting. So that's what we've got uh, coming up today. And then, of course, with the menu match, we're going to be menu matching. I think we'll focus on English fizz because it is kind of important, our English fizz. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, like, English, you you, you roast dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can roast dinner with English. Could work. Depends mind you, having. mind you, with um, with with English cuisine though, mm-hmm. we we have we must. I don't know if every every country is like this, but we have cuisines from all around the world. We're an open yeah, we are. open book when it comes to cuisine, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So we really could pick anything. Exactly. Yeah. And then what else the world, is The world's your lobster. It, is, it really is, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. What well, else have we got coming up? most exciting at all, we, we, we'll have a guest today. <gasps> We've got someone who really is quite brilliant. Yeah. Um, he's an amazing man. He's called Ian Kellett, and he's the owner of Hambledon Vineyard in Hampshire. So not Hambledon that we know of down the road from, or Hambledon down the road from us, sort of on the way to Henley. Yeah. It's Hambledon in Hampshire, which is actually the birthplace of cricket as well. And he shall be joining us, and we can talk to him a little bit about the whole vineyard tourism side of things that's exploding in the UK. How exciting. Yeah. And so that when you say tourism, people sort of travel to... They don't spend, like, nights there. They just go and... Well, you can go and visit. I mean, some, some have rooms. Yeah. So Do there's they? some which have rooms you can stay in. They usually have restaurants Ooh. and things like that. So, yeah, we've got, got yeah, all sorts of things going on in the UK, so... Well, we can find out about all that, can't we? Yeah, we can. Super. But okay, first so of all, we've got to dive in, haven't we? We're diving in. Dive in to River Radio. And what are we diving into? That's my question. We're going to talk a little bit about the history behind English Wine Week, just so people can put it in context. It's not just something random that appeared. Um, it was started actually quite a long time ago, which people don't realise. So English Wine Week is usually around the third week to the end of June every year. Yeah. So this year it's running from the 19th to the 27th, so there's a little bit of time left. And how long has this been going on for then? Well, bizarrely, it was around 1995 that it was first mooted, so it's actually quite a long time. Yeah. We do have a little bit of a longer winemaking tradition that people realise, and there's an amazing guy who runs Camel Valley down on the coast and he has loads of tourism he's called bob lindo and he's one of the early pioneers i suppose of english wine in the commercial sense that we know it now and a friend of his had a vineyard called waldings in hampshire but he was off the beaten track and was struggling to sell his wine you know what do you do with all this fruit you've got a vineyard and i think at the beginning it was very hard for a lot of growers because it wasn't popular no one wanted to drink english wine sure, yeah and we were all still learning and on the converse, he was aware that at Camel Valley, he had lots of passing tourist trade because people are curious and they want to go and visit places and do things. And so he benefited from that. And so in an attempt to help his friend initially, he thought back to when he used to be a BT apprentice in the 60s, which sounds totally bizarre. Yeah. But it turns out that they used to open up, they used to call it the GPO, I think. They used to open up the ex- telephone exchange for a fortnight every year. Now... 
the prospect of touring a telephone exchange is probably not it, as exciting as touring a winery. Yeah, it's, it's not floating my boat at the moment. Or a vineyard, no. no. I, usually no alcohol involved, but ironically, they'd be completely booked up for the whole two weeks they ran it. I'm sure. Yeah. So he thought, well, why don't we do something similar to promote English Wine Week and all of the growers can get together. We can all promote it. We can work collaboratively and we can encourage people to get, yeah, get involved with English Wine Week. But other countries have been doing this for a long time, haven't they? I mean, Australia and, and France, they, they have a similar sort of thing where they... I'd they... say less so in France, possibly. Really? I mean, you can visit places, but certainly the, what we call the New World, so Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, they have amazing cellar doors. I mean, really amazing, beautiful places to visit. And I think what we've seen in the last 15 to 20 years is the UK trade start to embrace that more and more. So they're building cellar doors. And this is hopefully what Ian will talk to us a little bit more about because Hambledon are in the middle of doing some amazing stuff. But from the beginning they've been open to allow people to come and visit, to taste, to be involved, and to do different things. They could do their own dosage and blend their own dosage and take away their bottle of wine. All of those sort of things, which are just amazing to do, and they're quite interactive. Um, But, you know, dining in the vines, working with other local producers, whether they're producing cheeses or whatever, to, you know, to get together and promote things. And we're seeing that happening more and more often. So that whole notion of a cellar door started. So you can do different tours around the UK. So there's, obviously, there's vineyards of Hampshire, there's almost like a trail through the Garden of England in Kent. So they all got together and they worked with sort of the local tourist boards as well to help promote the whole idea. So it's really taking off now. And now it's a much, much bigger thing than it used to be. I mean, everyone talks about it and promotes it and suppliers and retailers will promote it and sell wines accordingly. And if you think that actually there's quite a good spread of English wine across across the whole of the UK, you know, in, in the retail sector, you can buy English wines and sparkling wines in supermarkets now as well as more specialist wines in smaller merchants and retailers and online. So, and you can often buy direct from the cellar door as well. So you can either order online from websites of producers or you can go to the cellar door and buy. Yeah. And it just creates more loyalty. It and does. It's the whole week of celebrating what we're doing over here. Do you know, you say you can, um, you can buy them in uh, supermarkets now. I was in a supermarket actually after last week's show <laughs> so, so, quickly stocking up on food yes. and wine um one of the big ones one of the main mm-hmm. big three if you like or big four whatever we got here and um i didn't f- i couldn't find any english <gasps> wine at all shock horror i know that is not good no yeah i mean I, i'm guessing i was looking in the right place along with everything else but yeah sometimes it's quite hard to find i was trying to find actually i was struggling when i was trying to find that bottle that we had the other week because we were drinking we drinking the other week. You had a Bacchus. A Bacchus. Oh, that was a lovely Chapel thing. Down. And I remember it wasn't as easy as it sometimes is, but lots of them do have a decent stock. And sometimes there's a little bit more online. So where would you go online? Like, I mean, I'm sort of going... Up. But if I there, want to find English wine so online if you want to find website. English wine online, yeah. most merchants who have a shop will now include an English wine section, even if it's just sparkling, and you'll find English wine. But there are actually small merchants who are mostly online retail, so they're an e-commerce business that specialise in selling just English wine. So there's one called Elizabeth Rose, and it's two young women who run that, and they work with solely English wine from different producers over the country. But there's a few others as well, so if you, you key it just into your search engine, you'll find them. Sure. And they, do, do they do liver? Yeah. We don't want liver. Want wine? Want wine? Hey, come well, on! It's not you. Bring the knowledge. I'll bring the humour. <laughs> that was a really bad one, Brian. <laughs> I hate to say it. Okay, let's get back onto the knowledge yes, then. Let's get back the, onto the knowledge. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So we've we've now got. You can go to the vineyards of the Surrey Hills, the vineyards of Hampshire, wineries of Sussex, newly formed. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Um, the Yorkshire Wine Trail. Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. I'm quite keen to do that because it's very beautiful up there. It is beautiful, but I wouldn't think they had the weather or the terroir. Well, there you go. 
global warming. Goodness. Yep, and Rother Valley Vineyards, that's soon to be launched. There's lots happening, or may have already been launched. So you're seeing, you know, all this happening, but what you, you know, you're getting much more that you can go and do. So Sam mentioned earlier that he's on an extended yeah. winery vineyard crawl. I, I think it's just do we call it pub. a vineyard crawl? Yeah, I think it's a pub crawl, really. Yeah. And he's just having the odd glass of wine along the way. <laughs> you know, Sam. You know, Sam, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so basically, yeah, you can, you can travel around and visit them all, but there's loads even locally to where we are in the Thames Valley, River Radio. Mm. Yeah, between sort of Reading and and Marlow. And okay, so what would you, what would your top three be in the Thames Valley then for a River the Radio? Oh gosh, I think in this area, obviously down the road in Marlow, we've got Hope and Harrow. And Hope and Harrow, yeah. So that's a good one. Okay, um, Stan Lake Park is another good one. Lake Park, yep. Writing all these down. To Henley, yep. And there's sort of Twyford Way. There's a couple. Brain's gone blank now. You put me on the spot. Yeah. But there's loads all over the country, and actually, there's a really good website you can visit called i think it's called winecellardoor.co.uk oh okay and there is a shop on there as well i believe from recollection so if you wanted to look for wines but i think it puts directs you through to the wineries websites they have a full directory of 200 different wineries in the uk that offer full sort of cellar door facilities and you often have to book you have to book your tours you but you can show up at some now and some of them are stunning i mean gusborne in kent there's cellar door you'd there's you'd You'd be happy to hang out there enjoying a glass so, and a... So, what, you know, if I've never done anything like this before, what might I expect then? I mean, and how long is it? Do I go there for 20 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it a half a day? Well, what, if you're what Sam, I think the whole day. Yes. <laughs> it, well, we should ask Ian exactly what their, their experience entails when we get him on, because I unfortunately usually do trade trips, so mine are always a little bit different because I go and taste with much more of a, a business and commercial hat on. Right. Um, but usually you'll do a vineyard wine, a tour of the vineyard, you go around the vineyards, you'll see what they look like, you'll get to see what the winery looks like and understand how they're making the wines. And they often have a tasting room, so you can go and sit and taste a selection of wines. Some even have sort of really nice restaurants or just even if it's just serving simple sort of cheese and charcuterie platters so that it's sort of local produce and you can sit and enjoy a glass and just look over the, vi- the vines. Because they're usually in... I'd say this this probably applies to most of the world. Very beautiful places, vineyards. So it's yeah. quite nice to sit sort of in the countryside and enjoy the weather. There's Oak and Grove, which is nearby us here. That's another local Berkshire vineyard. Yeah, there's, so there's, there's lots of them dotted around now and they're increasing. Do you have to book these things or can you just turn up? Yeah, I'd recommend booking, find out. Yeah. Because they, they are popular and I think that some people are completely booked up until sort of the end of the summer because people want to get out and do things. And also in our lovely still semi-lockdown world... Um, most of the time you're outside. So, you know, it can be done in a way that allows for social distancing and safety as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, well, we're going to find out more when Ian's here. We're going to yeah. talk to, to Ian now. He's, he owns a, a, a winery, does he? A he vineyard? He owns a vineyard estate, yeah. He owns an estate in Hampshire. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to find out exactly what they offer, and I guess that's... Um, but do you know what the um, what would be the differences, say, um, between... I mean, you said France mm. doesn't really do big on that or maybe it I is think I, don't it's know. Getting, it's I do different. think it's getting better is it yeah yeah it, yeah it wasn't something they naturally i suppose it wasn't something they needed to do historically but yeah it's they're getting better i think yeah but you see it more and more you'll go and visit and people will be building a visitor center um all over the place but certainly in places like australia and um south africa they're glorious they are. I, do you know what? I, I have been to the, a, a good few cellar doors down in uh, Australia. Mm. And so what was your experience? What did you do? Did you just go and taste or did you have a look around? Well, no, you had, you had a bit of everything. Well, we were making documentaries. So, again, it was more on the, not 
it was more on the commercial side yeah. in as much as I don't think we got the standard tour. We, we were taken behind the scenes and with the cameras and what have you. But you could see that there were restaurants and there were... Some, some of them had, like, gift shops. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was like... Um, Winery some of them merch. Were, yeah, some of them were so big yeah. that it was almost like the gift shop that you get at the end of uh, Disneyland. Mm. You know, <laughs> you go around and you've got tours and um, some of them in Australia you'd get... Um, somebody on a tractor, and then behind they'd pull a, 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 a cart where you'd all sit along either side of it and get pulled around the vineyard. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Quite, quite a lot of English producers here have double-decker buses they've converted that you can they can, you know, they can pull up in places and you can sit and enjoy a glass on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? I mean, it is something very different as well, isn't it? You yeah. learn something and you also get an appreciation of what's happening. And Did you go to any small ones? Um, yeah. I mean, the smaller ones, it, it, the, the very smaller ones, were literally just like um, they'd got a, a, an outhouse or a shed mm-hmm. and got a load of bottles in there with a couple of sort of uh, pedestals or, or tall tables where yeah. you just do a bit of tasting and and you know obviously you can buy the wine if you want to it's, I, it's such a good idea mm. and it is good fun yeah did you find that the information you got was understandable and tangible for you well it depends on who's doing it um um see i've got a friend actually who in australia who who does these actual cellar door tours yeah. so he'll pick people up in a in his little mini bus and then take them to like three of his favorite cellar doors and that will be their afternoon i mean he's he not doing quite so many anymore because he people tended to get absolutely hammered yeah um but then you know he was down in australia oh know. no i don't think it's any different here we we used to do so wines were well we'll stick well, i know it's my english wine week but let's stick with australia for a second um they do a big tasting each year wines of australia they used to do a big trade tasting um, and the night before, they often did a private customer tasting. And so you used to do it down in London, but particularly up in Scotland, we used to do one as well. And then the night before was a private customer tasting. I have never, ever in all my 25 years in the wine trade been at a tasting where I saw so many people get so unbelievably wasted. And it was to the extent where even, even I, who probably wasn't that long out of university, was shocked. Well, this is that goes Partly, totally against the grain here on Cork, isn't it? Yeah. But I, in some ways, I had to admire their diligence that they couldn't walk into the tasting and select what they wanted to taste. It, it literally was beginning to end, and determination. It yeah. was an extraordinary sight. So I can understand where your friends coming but, from. But we always, <laughs> but we always do say, drink better, not more. Oh, that's what we say here no on headache River Radio. The next day. No yeah. feeling grotty. It's yeah. good for your liver. Just be sensible about it. Now, just before we go to our first little break and, yes. and uh, have, um, have a bit of music, um, do you know Gemma from Up Next? Yes, I do. She actually, after listening to, I think it was last week's show or the week before, she sent us, have I already mentioned this? I, might, I think I'm losing it. I might have already mentioned it. She sent us a, um, a link to a... a piece of equipment yeah that's the one we talked about we have we have talked about it yeah, hasn't yeah. we yeah, yeah. it's all the blended wand. into one the wand honestly it should, be, it should be bright and clear in your mind brian I, I was getting excited then i thought oh i've got i've got a new bit of something to tell you that you didn't know but you did yeah i remember now it's all flooding back God, well i think on that note i'm gonna play a song i think you should
There we go. That was uh, Kirsty McCall and uh, New England because we're talking all things English today here on River Radio Uncalled. And what's happening now, Kath? Hopefully, hopefully you can still hear us, Ian. You're still there. I can, and I do want to change the world, and I am looking for a New England. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not alone, definitely. I thought it was an appropriate song. So I'm going to briefly introduce you, because we said that you're the most wonderful man, because obviously I'm very biased, I've known you for quite a long time. Um, but you are the owner of Hambledon Vineyard, and yep. it's one of my favourite places, partly because it's beautiful and partly because you make delicious wine. We have a bottle here, which I shall open in a moment so that Brian can experience too, because he's never had Hambledon before. Oh, hello, Ian. (laughs) But what I would really, really love you to do is to just explain a little bit of the history of Hambledon, because it's quite an important vineyard in the UK for for various commercial reasons. Yes. So so Hambledon's England's oldest commercial vineyard. It was started in 1952. And and I suppose therefore its importance is that its importance is that it really showed what is probably the modern generation, um, albeit seventy years ago now, of of English wine that we could grow grapes for viticulture for making wine in this country. Um, whether or not it was growing the, the varieties of grapes and making the standards of wine that we aspire to today is is, a, is another matter, but. Um, it really did sort of prove the case that England could grow grapes commercially for winemaking, and so, and so in that regard, it was it was really fundamental to the restart of English wine. And, and wine has been made in England since Roman times, as, as many people know. But um, for a few hundred years there, there was very little of it. Um, there were a couple of people who tried, um, but but no great avail. And, and so Hambledon relaunching all that back in the fifties um, was a big difference. And they. The, the owner at the time, uh, the man who started this whole major general, the guy Salisbury Jones, knew Odette Polroger, and so the Polroger family were in the background, nudging along and quietly helping. I often wonder, wonder whether they suggested to him that he might make still wine instead of sparkling, and, and so gave us a 70-year diversion in the... Um, yeah. in the journey that we've been people don't, uh, yeah, Lots of people don't realise that actually it was Polroger that were involved in those first vineyards at Hambledon. Yeah, so it's a champagne yeah, link and, from uh, day one. Mm. Yes, yes, Champagne Link from day one. And, uh, and actually, uh, Maximilien de Billy, who's the grandson of the current um, chairman of Paul Roger and the son of the next leader of Paul Roger, I, I suspect, I was here last year for harvest and spent four months working with us and cleaning out the wine tank and so on. So I suspect sniffing around to see what we crazy English people are up to. But I, I think <laughs> we've, we've probably got to the point where a number of the most important champagne houses understand that what we're doing here is very serious. And, and honestly, it's the first time probably worldwide that anybody with the right of the same terroir of champagne and, sorry, the same geology of champagne and, and the same cool climate, if not marginally cooler, has, has had a serious go at this. And we also have the advantage that we happen to be champagne's largest export market in the world. So we've got the, we've got the terroir and the market to have a go at. So it all is very interestingly set. Yes, exactly. And so I was curious about what you've been doing at the winery in recent years. I haven't, I, last time I came, there was an enormous wall of chalk where you'd been excavating. And okay. I know that you've had plans afoot to build a big visitor centre. And I've wondered if you want to talk a little bit about that side of the business at Hambledon, because I do think that it's, we were talking a bit about it before you came on air, how important that sort of the, the wine tourism is for the UK as a whole, but for you as individual producers too. Yes, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. What we've spent the last, 20 years doing is 
studying geology and winemaking and building wineries and, and developing the wines to the highest standard that we could and and taking those wines well through through you uh, at the time, Catherine. Yes. Um, via via Berry Brothers and Phil Morrison to to sort of key opinion leaders like you know, the great wine critics and to um, leaders of hospitality companies, great restaurants and bars and hotels, and and to to some of the buyers in in some of the better retail chains. But but what we haven't done is to deploy the brand to consumers, and nor have we pushed hard at developing our hospitality facilities for consumers. Partly because of planning permission, but also because we were concentrating on other things in terms of getting the wine right to start with, and uh, and we feel we both of those things resolved, well, more than resolved now. And um, uh, we are building um, both a B2C brand platform. So we just recruited a lady who used to be the brand manager of First Clico Worldwide to come and lead our branding. Um, and That's exciting. starting on the 1st of July. And, and at the same time, we've got... Um, the former, uh, the, the former uh, restaurant manager, general manager at one of um, the Fat Duck Group's restaurants, to come and lead our restaurant front of house, and we're aiming at the same, aiming at the same standard in terms of cooking. Um, so the, the chefs that we're interviewing. Lucy, are, you're very, very serious food-wise. You're really thinking quite seriously about the food that you're going to. More seriously than we originally intended to, I have to say. Um, it's all getting a lot scarier because it's all getting a lot more serious. And and we're getting advice from people who were running the Fat Duck Group some years ago. Um, and so it's taking us down a certain route, and we're, we're already a long way committed to that route. And we've got the the, cha- the team who designed Gordon Ramsay's three-star flagship in Chelsea and, and mm-hmm. Heston Blumenthal's interiors at um, Heinz Head and and dinner by Heston in Knightbridge. That design team has done the interior design for our, our new restaurant. So there's all this to come up probably either later this year or, or early next year. And, and the idea really is that by getting people here to the site and to AC the location, and, and we have everything here at the site. We have the winemaking, the cellars, the vineyards, and the hospitality, and we have the family living in the house. So, so the whole parcel is here. Um, and for people to experience all of that and to, to learn what they can learn from us. Um, our aim is to have people go away with a, a wonderful impression of Hambledon and so, and so do brand building and so have them repeat by the brand ongoing both off-trade and on-trade in the future. So the, the goal is to produce lots of, you know, the footfall creates sort of word of mouth and brand ambassadors purely through loyalty and visiting and having a great experience. Exactly that, exactly that. And, and you know, South Africa does it in, well, in, in, in our side of the world, South Africa does it best of all at present. Yeah, I agree. Western Europe's lousy at it, broadly speaking. I mean, there are one or two notable exceptions. Um, but broadly speaking, France, Italy, Spain, Germany are, are not good at wine hospitality. Um, so, Ian, can, can I just ask Ian, when, when um, if I was to come to your, uh, do you call it a cellar door? Yeah. 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 So, if I was to come to your cellar door, what what could I expect? I know there's likely to be some wine tasting, but is there like a guided tour? Does somebody take me round, or am I left to wander yeah. around, or what? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. There's a guided tour, so there's somebody who starts you off in the vineyard and explains 
how vines are grown and why they're grown, where they're grown, and the varieties we grow and how we prune them and how we handpick them and how we look after them very caringly. All 300,000 plants we've got to look after by hand. Um, and then they take you around the winery and explain how we make the wine and why we built the winery the way we have and all the, well, not all the technical detail we go to, otherwise you'd be there for weeks. But, unless, um, I'm, unless I'm there asking horrible questions. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, if you go on a tour with Catherine, you will be here for weeks. Um, <laughs> and, and then down to the wine cellars and look at all the bottles being stored. Your lap, as it's called, meaning literally on a wooden lat, um, hand-stacked. Um, and yeah, it takes about takes about an hour and a half to go around and, and 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 feel and learn what we can we can impart to you in that in that time. Uh, and then you have a then you have a little tasting at the end, guided by one of our uh, our team as to you know what we look for when we're drinking sparkling wine. Not how you should drink sparkling wine, but that's what we look for when we're drinking this. Um, Super. And, and and hopefully enjoy it and buy a bottle and take it away with you. But but as from later this year or early next year, you'll be able to stay and have lunch and you know hopefully fabulous restaurant too so we'll see and the, the food that you are i know you touched briefly on you know some of the um the inspiration the designs and stuff but the, the food you're going to be serving there is it thought out to specifically go with the wines that you you produce yes exactly yes exactly but it's very much ingredient-led cooking matched to the wines rather than um rather than trying to overly design the food um in in the way that some um, high end restaurants have, um, and, and and at the end of the day, they do that to impress people to get them to come to those restaurants, right? That's that's the whole raison d'être for them to, to show fascinating and wonderful new things you can do with food. Sure. Our raison d'être visiting here is come and look at our winery, our vineyard, our our cellars. Um, think about wine here, and uh, and so we need good, good clean, simple ingredient led food, brilliantly prepared and presented. Okay. Uh, but also matched and paired with matched and paired with with our wine. On, on that note, Ian, is there um, is there an exclusive you can um, give us here on Uncorked River Radio of uh, perhaps one of the dishes which we can really look forward to? An exclusive on the menu, perhaps. <laughs> well, well, well. Given that we haven't to the chef yet. Um, <laughs> You can make it up if you want. <laughs> will it will it be all local produce? Are you going to try to focus? Because I know that you do a lot currently with local producers, food producers within the area. Yes, we do. So we have a we have a um, uh, we have a an alfresco garden that you can do at the end of a tour, where um, you get a table uh, with a bottle of wine included in the price, and and we have local. In fact, from Hambledon, from our own village, we have a smoked trout producer, so that's taking on smoked salmon, and it's fabulous smoked trout. And it, it, it pairs really well with the um, rosé. I was going to say it'd be good with the rosé. It'd probably be quite good with the Cabernet Franc single varietal yes, as well. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And um, uh, and also um, uh, we've got Tunworth, which is a Hampshire cheese, um, and it's marvellous. It's like a Cabernet. Sure, was, I just suddenly like realised that was a terrible error by me. I said Cabernet Franc. My brain isn't thinking. I meant Pinot Meunier. Yes, I was. I was trying to say about that one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, and uh, um, uh, we've got crab from the, from the coast just here. We're six miles from the coast. Um, we've got Hampshire charcuterie producers, so it's all it's all essentially Hampshire-based produce that that um, that, that pairs that pairs incredibly well with the with wines. Um, but but yes, back into the restaurant. Um, uh, scallops is one of my favourite things to to eat with um, sparkling wine. I think the 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 cleanness and freshness of both pair, 
pair one another very well and support one another very well. So um, we're looking for some scallop dishes with, with a lime sauce. Um, oh, uh, but again, chef may change all that when he turns up. No, 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 we didn't want to do that. Let's get it. Um, and who will surely, I surely as the boss, you can have a little bit of sway. There has to be something on the menu that you particularly like. Uh, well, you know, I always think that opinions are cheap because everybody's got one and there are <laughs> seven billion on the planet. That's very and, true. Um, the last thing either marketing experts or, or chefs need is, you know, is, is that's another opinion thrown into the mix. So um, uh, it's very hard sometimes to adopt that philosophy, I have to say, but, but I do try. I know it's definitely, it's not the easiest thing. I suppose if you have a degree of power to, to restrain yourself is very impressive. Yes. So yes. I, I opened it and it and I, and I actually did a really good job for once of opening a bottle of fizz and you didn't even hear it. It didn't go pop, I'm afraid. Um, it, it did a perfect hiss, which must be one in 50 that happens to me when I open fizz. And this is actually, because I was foraging around in my cellar and I'm not very good at practicing what I preach when it comes to cellar management of my own cellar, but I do, I'm quite strict with my fizz. I always mark up when I get bottles. And this bottle, I believe, should be one of the first releases from Hambledon. So the first release we had from you. So I've still got a couple of bottles left to see how it would age. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, Brian, you realise you're very privileged today. I, I am. How, um, old, how old is this? I haven't tasted it. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, you're welcome any time. I do have another bottle. So there's an open invite for you and Anna to come and taste. <laughs> um, or come and drink, we'll, we'll more importantly. Tonight. Exactly. So... Do you want to guide Brian through the tasting of this? Because he's never... It's got a, it does smell. It's got a little bit of evolution and age on the nose. What would you um, expect? Given, given that I don't have it in front, front of, of me, me. Um, our estate is, is deliberately very Chardonnay-led, uh, which, which surprises a lot of consumers because, you know, there are lots of people who say, I drink anything but Chardonnay. I love champagne, they say, and without realising that champagne is dominated by Chardonnay. Um, so our, our, our vineyards are very Chardonnay-led, so... What that tends to give, um, in terms of palate, not in terms of nose, is, is great attack, sort of immediacy to the wine in your palate. And so, hopefully, that will still be represented when you get to putting it in your mouth. It, it's very hard without the wine in front of me, as it's <laughs> substantially evolved and had a lot of time on cork, to say to, to, to talk through the nose. I mean, when it's younger, we expect to have. Um, sort of lemon and, and lime, sort of citrus expressions. We expect green apple. We expect a very fresh nose, maybe maybe a little bit of sourdough. Yeah, so um, what, you, what we're getting now, we still get that, that undercurrent of sourdough. You'll be, it's, it's fresh as a daisy. There's a t- the evolution isn't... I mean, I, I kind of wishing right now that I had another six bottles ferreted away and I hadn't drunk them so quickly. Um, but it does, have, it does have that sort of a, a brioche sourdough quality, but there is still some citrus there for me as well, which is, I mean, it's got a glorious sort of, there's just a touch of nuttiness that sort of underpins that brioche, which is really, really lovely. Yeah. But it has and that the, fantastic for, acidity for, for, for as well. For the audience, for, for the listeners, um, the sort of doughy, briochey, sourdough, briochey and bready and digestive biscuity flavours don't actually come from the grape at all. They're nothing to do with the grape, well, nothing to do with the grape, but it's really um, we undertake a process that, that makes the wine fizzy, that makes it sparkling, um, whereby we basically make still wines and then bottle them. But the day before we bottle them, we put a bit of yeast and sugar into the tank, so there's a second fermentation in the bottle, and that's what makes the um, that's what makes the wine bubbly. But um, uh, we then and that second fermentation only takes three or four weeks, but we then leave the wine there for three or four years in order for the yeast cells to degrade back into the wine, and that's where you get that yeasty, doughy 
brioche, bready, sourdough expression from it's actually coming from the yeast, dying back into the wine um, yeah. by pretzels autolysis. Anyway, far too technical, Mr. Kellett, shut up. So no, no, the, the, this this is the sort of thing that's off. I, I go off on these tangents all the time. That's why Brian's here. See what 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 I'm getting. <laughs> the, I'm still um, getting a little bit of that lemon. I can catch yep. that lemon. Um, that's coming through to me. And also, what I notice about this, which is perhaps different to a lot of um, sparkling mm-hmm. stuff, is is it the the, the actual bubble? I don't know. If this is a stupid comment or not, but the actual bubbles seem to be really fine. They're fine bubbles rather than big yep. obvious. Yeah, they're Coca-Cola really, really bubbles or something. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, we work, we work super hard to achieve that. So I'm very glad that that's what you're observing. Um, so it happens as a result of all the winemaking processes that we undertake, but particularly the length of autolytic development in the cellars, i.e. with the yeast in the bottle. Because in order to make the, um, uh, the meniscus, gosh, what's that, the, the sort of, Every air bubble has a little wrapper around it, if you want to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost think of it like a cellophane wrapper, but it's obviously not really. Uh, And that meniscus um, that holds the bubble together, that allows the bubble to exist, is is structurally built around something even more technically boring called manoprotein. And that enables us to have much greater... uh, So that the higher the protein content of the wine, of of the fizz, the much greater material you've got available to create more surface area, to create more finer bubbles. And so it is truly a reflection of the quality of the wine, the fineness and finesse of the mousse. Of the, it's called mousse in, in more technical circles. Um, uh, so, yes, I'm glad that that's what you're observing. I, I, I'm, I'm now getting very jealous. I definitely <laughs> <laughs> but it does, and it has a real clarity and precision on the palate. I mean, it's, it, it's showing very, very well. You'll be pleased to know. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting, and I'd like to ask you about this, is when you make your base wine, which is obviously, we said before, it does its secondary fermentation, do you, do you fine at Hambledon? Uh, yes, we, we find the... Uh, well, we find the... Um, for protein haze, you mean? Yeah. We find the um, so after we've made the base wines, um, we find them with um, egg albumin. Mm-hmm. And, Sorry, um, I'm just going to stop you there, Ian. Just before you go on, can you can you just explain to me what fining is? Just just so I'm clear. It's extracting from the wine proteins and other other impurities, but but particularly proteins okay. that you don't want to leave in the wine, which may create a hazy, cloudy wine. Right. So what you're trying to do is to put an agent into the wine which will um, have the inappropriate substances agglomerate to them physically. Um, Got you. So, so they sort of stick to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, make them so bigger and they sink. And they, they, and they drop out. Yeah. And, uh, and icing glass is our main finding, um, is our main finding agent. So yeah, that, I've just, I, it was a curious question I had because because it, it sprung into my head because of, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you as as well. The, I mean, sounding like I know what I'm talking about here. This, this is made traditional style, yeah. So would you have yeah. in your cellars? Do you have like big um, uh, the wooden racks where you riddle, or do you have the the metal sort of boxes that automatically riddle, all or how's that? All of the above. Oh. And do we get to see and, that when we come on the, on the cellar tour? You definitely see that when you come on the tour, yeah. Oh, and, excellent. And it's not just that we're doing it for tourists for show, which is, um, forgive me, champagne, but there are some houses that, that do do that. Um, but we have certain bottle shapes and, uh, and samples and other things that we have to do that we can't riddle in the 
in the big machine in the machine um, riddling machines. Um, but I would say, uh, in favour of the machine, that it does actually do a technically better job as well. So, so it, it's less art- less artistic and less beautiful and less artisanal, mm-hmm. um, but it does actually give you a better technical result. So there is that in favour of the machine. And the, the other, well I'm going to quickly because I want to get this in before we have to go to another song because the winery at Hambledon is actually all gravity fed as well. So yes, Ian very yes, cleverly came up with a solution to ensure that it could be gravity-fed without having to dig really, really deep. Okay, I don't know what you mean. What, gravity so I'll, I'll hand over to Ian to explain it, because probably he'll be much better at doing it than me. So, um, so uh, the first thing to say is nobody knows what's in a bottle of wine. Um, may seem the bizarre thing to say, given how long we've been making it, but, but take it from me, biochemistry is my bachelor's degree, and nobody knows the full composition of a bottle of wine, so you've got, you've got to hold that in mind. That's why we've got artisanal winemaking. Second thing to say is that Electricity changes the chemical composition of liquids. So if you think back to school chemistry, you always had two two sort of glass beakers with electrodes stuck in them, and you flick the switch, and smoke happened, and chemical changes happened. So a pump is an electromagnetic force field. So we've got this unknown composition of this juice, and we stick it through this electrical force field, and we change it in unknown ways. Wow! So so we've eliminated all of that from our winemaking process. Don Perignon didn't have an electrical pump back in the seventeen whatever it was. So what we do is to move the white, we, we take the grapes to the very top of the building and we put them in the press and squeeze them and then the juice falls through the bottom of the press and into a, into a tank. And then when we've dealt with it in that tank, it goes down through the floor and into another tank and it goes down through the floor into another tank. And then, But we run out of height fairly soon because we're in a national park. So we put a, lift, a, a wine tank in a lift which lifts the juice from the bottom of the building so we buried a stainless steel pipe underground with which we fill up this wine tank underground, and then we lift the wine tank back to the top of the building, reconnect its pipework, and drain it back out again. This, the, back the this whole process is very labour-intensive, isn't it? Mm, yes. So, yes it is. And, and not least that we've got 300,000 vines that we have to prune by hand every year. That's like pruning your roses in the garden, albeit without, albeit without um, thorns. Wow. We've got 300,000 of them to do by hand. And... We have to pick the bunches, the grapes. We 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 hold bunch press and we pick by hand. So we've probably got um, six million bunches of grapes that we have to pick in a two to three week period. Goodness. And people and people wonder why good fizz costs what good fizz costs. Yeah, but but the, but then I think that that the the end result is full yeah. of and and Kath and I were talking about this uh, last week. It it it's about finding all those different elements in it. You're, it's an experience to. You know, just just find different undertones and little things that it's, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, when you think about an apple taste of an apple, an apple never tastes of pineapple, yeah. or a, a peach taste of peach. But in grapes, you can get lemons and limes and pineapples and peaches and 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 all manner of different flavours. Yeah, it's it's the most remarkable fruit. Well, by the time we've messed around with it a bit, but it's still. <laughs> No, no, it's completely. It's one of my most favourite things. See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm still that lemon for me on, on this yeah. is, is, is. Uh, what's the? I was going to say an aftertaste, but it's not. That's a proper length. word. The length. The length you can still it. taste it. Yes, yeah. On, yeah, the length is just still there in my mouth. Just yeah. that, that light. Yeah, wonderful. Really delicious. Very good. So, um, Ian, when uh, when are we going to um, come up and visit <laughs> Kath and I from uh, Uncorked and um, have a special tour of the cellar door? Uh, next week, you're most welcome. Any time this summer, you just let me know. 
Fantastic. And we'll give we'll take you to our dine in the vines afterwards, and you can have some wonderful tumbled cheese and some lovely Hampshire crab. And, and sounds like heaven. <laughs> you said crab. That's one of Brian's favourite things. <laughs> Ian, thank you so so much for joining us. I mean, genuinely, it's always a pleasure Thanks to speak pleasure. to you. Lovely to speak to you again, Catherine. Yes, you too. And hopefully, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Bye bye. Fantastic stuff. Well, there you go. There is Ian from Hambledon um, and uh, his wonderful cellar door. That sounds really quite exciting, doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And they do amazing things like dine in the vines. And because the vines are all spaced about two metres apart, they put tables through the vines. Yeah. And you can have the most amazing meals. And they do all things like that. They even think, I think, done yoga in the vineyard. You can get married there. And obviously, Hambledon aren't unique in that. Other people in the UK do it as well. But yeah, look them up. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see how very cleverly I put Ian under a little bit of pressure live on air <laughs> and got us a reservation? Brilliant. Yeah, you're a genius. Genius. All right, what are we listening to now and what's happening afterwards? So afterwards, we're going to do some uh, menu matching, aren't we? We are, we are. Although Ian Ooh. might have already done it for us, I think, talking about crab and tom with cheese. Do you know what? I, I was a bit too scared to, because he was proper, I was a bit too scared to ask about the crisps. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't ask about the crisps. <laughs> but now we're going to listen to English Rose by Ed Sharon. Across the sea By the Tennessee skyline They told me I'd find my hopes and my dreams But I long to be In the bed of my true love Back where I came from She's waiting for me So I'll make my way Through long winding country roads But my heart still beats For my home and my English road I told my dad On the phone it's amazing From the straight to the crazy These places I've seen I long to be In the arms of my true love Like he loves my mother He understands me I'll spend my days Just traveling and playing shows But my heart still beats For my home and my English road Still beats 
for my home and my English rose Oh, my heart still beats for my home and my English rose Oh, my heart still beats for my home and my English rose The soundtrack to life in the Thames Valley. River. Radio. On the web. To the Batmobile. Let's go. On your mobile. Hello. And on Alexa too. River Radio. That's it. Hmm. I pronounce that River Radio, but I'm always working on how I say things and I might not have it right. (laughs) (laughs) Menu match. Menu match. Yes. Yes. And um, we're looking at sparkling wines. Yeah. We're looking at English wines. We are. Oh, there we there go. We go. I, know, I know that sign. Sound? I should have popped that earlier because, as I said, for once in my life, I opened the bottle like a proper sommelier. <laughs> <laughs> Did very well. Did very well. And it just, it just, what was interesting for me, well, one, not, the whole thing was interesting for me. Well, one of the things that was interesting talking to Ian um, was it just really does highlight the, the, the actual effort that goes into making, you know, this, this bottle that we have in front of us. And you can then suddenly understand what was it? Six million bunches or two million yeah, bunches six, of six, six million two. bunches of grapes, picked, all hand-picked. Often picked in a two-week period if the weather changes. Yeah, hand-picked so they don't get bruised by mechanical mm. machinery, and then you know hand-riddling and all of that malarkey. Well, it's, mm. I, I say malarkey. It's actually expertise wine creating. Um, of course, these are going to be a different price bracket to what you're getting in in the supermarket yeah. when you're getting a, a, a cheap bottle of plonk but that's the point of it is that you drink less of this because you don't need to have and it's genuinely really good the, atten- genuinely. the attention to detail yeah. from beginning to end is exceptional mm-hmm. you know, even sourcing vineyards to or vines to plant a new vineyard and then the care and attention that those vines are given consistently throughout the year all by hand yeah yeah it's it you know you're you know you, you do have to pay for that expertise <laughs> listen if, if you are a fan of um a sparkling uh wines or champagne style um then uh, classic cuvee hamilton vineyard england look it up or or um or find it in your local artisan yeah. wine cellar and um, i, th- I do believe that waitrose may stock hambledon as well so they do some of the waitrose have them as well so ah, keep, keep an eye out but you can you can find that you can buy direct from the winery online okay i highly so, recommend it it genuinely is one of my favorites so um kath i am here then mm-hmm. i have got my um bottle of uh, hambledon classic cuvee yes. in front of me but i'm feeling a bit peckish i just what what should i what, what, what should you have what should i it? do well well it, you know we said before, I mean, it's the same thing with all sparkling, really. But I think for you, we'd definitely go with crab. As Ian said, <laughs> your face lit up at the prospect of crab. Um, but yeah, shellfish and prawns and shrimp, crab, anything like that. Ian said scallops, oysters, oh, those oh, sort of things. Yeah. Amazing, all amazing. Um, lots of different sorts of cheeses work well, but particularly those softer style of cheeses. So they often call them triple creme in America. Okay. So brie, those kind of cheeses, which are really creamy. They work very well because you can imagine that acidity cutting through any richness. But actually, this one's a little bit of age. And so the benefit of it having that little bit of age means that you do get sort of a bit more of that sourdough character. So slightly aged cheeses as well will work well with a a fizz like this. We always go back to cheese. I'm waiting. I'm going to make you wait for your crisps. (laughs) (laughs) I am. But genuinely, veggies. Really? Anything. Just give it a go. Yeah. So imagine you've got 
you know, you, you're either roasting vegetables, you've got good asparagus that's in season still now, maybe, or, you know, just a big stir fry even. If it's not too full of chilli and overspiced, you know, crispy stir fry, quickly, rapidly done, a glass of this, brilliant. Fiona, who we've had on before, my business partner, she is a bit of a, I think, not even closet, she quite enjoys, you know, some fish and chips and just thinks, oh, sod it, let's open a bottle of fizz. And it's delicious. So it's things like that. Well, yeah, because the acidity, that acidity, that freshness, that citrus character cuts through the fat. So suddenly everything just sort of comes into balance and comes alive on your palate. And it just elevates what is a really simple takeaway up to a whole new level. Okay. Now, one, one of the things, um, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but are you supposed to put a strawberry in it? Does that do anything? I don't know if it does anything. People do it. Why do I, they do it? I don't know exactly why they do it. I quite, I'm being a purist. It probably yeah. comes as no surprise. I quite like just to drink it as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the, what's the theory behind it, though? Why put a strawberry in your champs? I don't know. It, look, it does look quite pretty, doesn't it? It does. Because I suppose it gets little bubbles all around it. Is it supposed things. to infuse a bit of strawberry flavour? Or No, but I don't want it to do that. Actually, why don't you just leave that to the actual winemaker who probably has a much better idea of what they're doing? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't mess around with it. Yes. Trust them. This fine, sparkling um, yeah. champagne or sparkling wine that I've got, do you know what? I'm going to alter it because I'm <laughs> with a bit of strawberry juice. Exactly. Yeah. So it always slightly upsets me, although I, it does look pretty. I think, you know, if you see lots of glasses and it's all done, it does look pretty. But I, being a purist, I'd probably fish mine out and eat it and get and then drink the fizz separately. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe the, the actual fruit... Just giving fruit, you a snack. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe the fruit is absorbing the, uh, yeah. the alcohol and then that's the little kick at the end. Yeah. Drink less. Just better. Better. But better. But anything, anything, when you've got a wine like this that has got a good, clear, crisp acidity to it and that sense of definition and those citrusy flavours, any foods that are higher in fat, it works really well with. Right. So, Yeah. So, again, they said that they, uh, Hambledon, they often serve it with local charcuterie. Those sort of salamis and air-dried hams and things work well if you're into your meat. But also, I'll say cheeses, but vegan cheeses, surprising, I know. I'm going to say it. I know it's controversial, but a vegan cheese is quite nice. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. Is it? They have some really nice ones. Yeah. You're looking at me, you're yeah. just looking at me with Do this you know unbelievable... What? Because my other half... Had some vegan cheese in. Oh, not the, not not like the processed stuff that is full of oh, okay. stuff I can't pronounce, like yeah. something cellulose or whatever. No, people who make them like artisan ones out of things like cashews and things. Oh, okay, yeah, because there was some in the fridge and it just smelled really cheesy, and that, it was just worrying. like yeah, no, I don't like the ones that you can buy sort of commercially that are processed, but the oh, ones okay. that are made by smaller sort of artisan producers and they work with cashew nuts and probiotics they can be quite nice. Yeah, yeah, mm. okay, good, good, good. So I think we're going to go for sort of seafoody. I think with, that's my overall this. preference. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it with things like I that. I love the idea of those um, um, scallops. Mm. You know, can you imagine just fresh scallops <gasps> and uh, with a little little? Why do we do this egg? to ourselves Whoa. every mm. week? Yeah, with but delicious. That. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Yeah, surrounded by beautiful Hampshire countryside in this case, or British countryside, rolling yeah. green. Yeah. Well, we've got an invite. Verbal contract is binding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll be heading off before you know it. All right, then. So, you know what time it is, uh, Kath? I do, I do. Come on, then. Chocks away. Tally-ho. You know you want to. In a world... ...where questions need to be answered... One person has the answers to all the questions. 
It's Master of Wine Challenge Cath time. I love the way you say that. I do not have the answer to all the questions. <laughs> that's that's the disclaimer that sits at the bottom of this. Do you know what? I think sometimes that's the best bit of this whole item is just the intro. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're just that, just that, play the intro. Yeah, Don't ask me it. anything. Yeah, we'll just do that. <laughs> now, again, um, I've sort of um, gone off of peace, if you so were. it's not about wine again. Not a, we're not, not going really. to Mars. Please don't tell we're going to Mars again. <laughs> we're, we're, the ridiculous thing was, I actually semi-knew the answer if I'd read that article. <laughs> I won't you, forget it now. No. Well, do you know what? Um, we kind of are going to Mars. Well, we're going science fiction. Okay. Oh, I, good God. If, 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 you, if you lost... Uh, if you didn't hear us on the, the last... Um, SJ uh, was saying about her love of science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I've given up asking proper wine questions because it's too hard. You know, I can't find anything that Kathy isn't going to know. So <laughs> Ask Catherine anything random and hope she can answer. Yes, so I, I loosely based one of the questions on the weather. I think how many lightning strikes on Earth. But yeah. we were talking about the weather. It applies to the wine and, as, as Ian said, electricity loosest, and stuff. In the loosest sense. Well, so... Um, have you ever seen the film? Here's your question after oh. that long build-up. Here's your question. Have you ever seen the film The Matrix? That's not the question. Yes. I'm just asking. You have seen the film. Okay. Have I won? Have I done it? No, have I got it right? No, no, no. <laughs> um, there is a spaceship, the main spaceship. It's named after a type of size ne- of... Nebuchadnezzar. Oh. <laughs> is is the Nebuchadnezzar... Yeah. How many litres are oh. in a Nebuchadnezzar? That's the actual Ooh, question. I don't actually know. Oh. Is it 12? Should we find out? Let's find out, because I just made that up on the spot, because the actual yeah. question was Nebuchadnezzar, which you knew, so I tried to catch you out yeah. with how many litres or how many bottles. They often actually state it with it's two or three standard bottles or something. How do you spell yes, Catherine, how do you spell Nebuchadnezzar? I actually don't know. Oh, no, I don't either. It starts with an N, almost certainly. But but they, they, they're all Ooh. named after... Ooh. Are they all named after Christian bottles. kings? Is that right? Or some sort of king? It's 20 bottles, which is 15 litres. I said 12, so I wasn't quite right. 15 litres. 20 bottles of champagne and Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And yeah, so are they... They're all named after kings, aren't they? Yes. Well, yes, most of them are. So you've got... I mean, depends. What, sometimes they so you've got Jeroboam, Salamanza, Nebuchadnezzar, Methuselah. Yeah. They're all quite cool names, aren't they? They are quite cool names. They're not... Yeah. Let's see if I can find them for you. So, let's see. You've got... Obviously, Magnum. He's just a PI. But he does have a, two <laughs> bottles, of, <laughs> bottles of wine. Is that, is that a, a whiny joke? That's a, that's a wine joke, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Although, I don't know if you saw this, but we I, I love wine. A really bad wine joke. Right. Yeah. Go on. Have you got one? Yeah. Why, 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 is, why is Oloroso Sherry flawless? Oh, because... No, I'll... no. Why is it... I got it wrong. You see, you're not good at jokes like you. Why is it perfect? Because, because it's, it's flawless. flawless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I that, did that see that. That is a proper inside wine joke. Yeah. I saw that yeah. on your Instagram, I think. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a really good one. And then there was one that took me about two weeks to get. I was looking for a Christmas wine joke. And it was about sprouts and wine, um, people whining about having sprouts, and I couldn't get it. I just didn't. And then suddenly I realised wine as in complain and wine as in wine, and it was just a change in the spelling. Uh. And then I thought it was the best joke ever, but it took two weeks. Suddenly I went, ah, that's it! Because <laughs> it was so bad. So you've got magnums, jeroboams, which are the ones that you see most commonly. Then you've got a rohoboam, 
Mm-hmm. Methuselah, and the Methuselah is six litres, Salamanza's nine litres, Balthazar, who's obviously a king, oh, he's yeah. the one who's 12 litres, Nebuchadnezzar, 15, um, Salomon, which is pretty big, 18 litres, and then it goes um, Souverain and Primat, and then Midas. Midas? That, that 40 uh, bottles, 30 litres. The Midas touch. So, did, I mean, who has that? I mean, I suppose uh, it must just be a massive, great, big party or something but those are usually made by the transfer method they're not actually made by the champagne method because they can't you couldn't riddle and stuff them. so they're made yeah they, they empty the bottled aged champagne into a tank and filter it and re-bottle it under pressure so it's transfer method do you know what that's a whole whole other dive in the size of bottles so um anyway um next week don't go anywhere uh, next week don't go anywhere next week what we got coming up on uncorked well inspired by Gemma actually and us talking about the wand again we're going to look at sulfites in our deep dive so we're going to talk about sulfites because people often refer to them and i think we just need to examine it a bit don't you i think we should and those then sulfites. i'm going for possibly one of the favorite grape varieties of anyone in the wine trade riesling Oh, I like a bit of Riesling. Yeah. Oh, I'll be here for that. Yeah. Sounds so. good. But don't go anywhere because coming up right here on River Radio, we have got loads of stuff. Do you know what? The, the weekend is just jam-packed it full is. of back-to-back brilliant shows. Mm. Um, tomorrow, of course, kicking off with uh, James. Yes. Is he? The Morning Brew. Is he? Is he? Remember, is Nicky back? I don't know who's on at the moment. Should do. Should have looked, really. Yes. Couldn't be bothered. Director. <laughs> They're the morning brew. Um, if Gemma, Gemma's been poorly actually. She's had some virusy, horrible asthma-y thing. Oh, no. So um, uh, if she's back, she'll be uh, up get next. well soon, Gem. Get well soon, Gem. Bless Jay, and of course um, Sam, and then uh, EJ and everybody. EJ, SJ, some J, Blue Jays. I don't know. Everyone. Loads of stuff, and then don't miss the weekend with River Radio because it is music heavy, starting with Mike. And Bruce in the mornings, and uh, we've just got some great, great music shows. Stick around. It's all good, clean fun. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, bye for now. In a world where radio stations are ten a penny... Can I have ten radio stations, please? That'll be a penny, lad. Thank you. There is one radio station... There can be only one. There can be only one. There can be only one... ...that stands out from the crowd... I want that one. All right. What is this thing? It's River Radio. There can be only one. Wake up, call coffee and juice. Remember a new.